Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to assemble together in your name. Lord, we pray that you would allow us to remember the privilege that is in those that cannot do this. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be faithful and to serve you in these last days. Be with us as we study your word. Encourage us, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. But Haggai, two short chapters, and unlike the other uh, prophets, minor prophets, his prophecy is much more positive uh, than it is negative. And his name, interestingly enough, means festive or of a festival. And, um, of course, Haggai is the only man in the Bible with that name. Uh, we have no other people recorded having had that name. If we understand correctly, Haggai was born in exile. He was born in Babylon. His parents were taken from Jerusalem in one of the raids of Nebuchadnezzar, brought to Babylon. There he lived. He was born. And then when the Jewish people were sent back by the king of Persia, after 70 years in captivity, fulfilling Jeremiah's prophecy, Haggai was among them. Now, it's interesting as well. Uh, we, As we dealt with several of the other prophets, I've had to tell you, well, we really don't know uh, anything about their family. We don't know exactly when they lived. We, we just don't know. Haggai's prophecy is specifically dated. It, it, it covers a period of just a little less than four months from the first day of the sixth month of the second year of Darius. I believe it's the second year. No, uh, let's see here. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month to the four and twentieth day of the ninth month of that same year, that's all of Haggai's prophecies. And uh, someone said, six months, I, I was counting it up, six months and nine months. Okay, six, seven, eight, nine. There we go. We got four months. Uh, a very short period of time. And yet, Haggai's prophecy is recorded in the Scripture he is one of the few prophets that is mentioned by others. As Ezra was giving the history of the rebuilding of the temple, he said it was the prophecy of Haggai and Zechariah that caused the men to rebuild the temple. And Haggai was listed there in Ezra twice, 5.1 and 6.14. And so we have Haggai's prophecies basically divided up into four different times. The last two actually came on the, the same day. The ideal here of the one was toward the Jewish people and then the other was towards Zerubbabel as an individual and, uh, and the future of the children of Israel. So what we're going to do is just 
delve right in chapter 1, verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shelthiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. So we see his first prophecy. He is addressing Zerubbabel, who is the political leader, and Joshua, who is the high priest, the religious leader of the people. And he says in verse 2, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And so, this is God's message. He said, you people are saying it is not time. Now, how many of you are familiar with the, with what went on, the history recorded in the book of Ezra? You have to understand that Ezra was actually a contemporary of Nehemiah, uh, that he came about a hundred or so years after the events that are prophesied here uh, in uh, the, the book of Haggai. But God is speaking, and he says, you say it's not time to build my house. Now, if we took time to go over to Ezra and look at everything, we would find out that Zerubbabel and Joshua Joshua had already been there uh, in Jerusalem. They came up, and they had laid the foundation of the temple. And they were in the process of rebuilding the temple on the same place uh, that Solomon had uh, built the temple, the same place that Abraham had offered Isaac. And uh, how many of you have read the article just talking about things today that the Israeli archaeologists are all upset because they changed the carpet in the Dome of the Rock. And as they rolled back the carpet uh, in the third most holy Islamic site on the Temple Mount, they revealed all kinds of designs and things in the marble floor, and the Israeli uh, archaeologists wanted to examine those. And, of course, uh, uh, they got mad at one of the guys because he was pouring glue out on this ancient marble floor, dates back to the ninth century, and then gluing new carpet down and not letting them examine it because they they believe, the Jewish archaeologists believe, that there is some hidden message in those geometric etchings on the marble floor underneath the carpet. Isn't that hilarious? And uh, they're trying to figure out what is going on, and they're afraid that somebody's hiding something. Now, that would be a brand new thing that's never happened, is somebody hides something that might bolster the Jewish claim to uh, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, now wouldn't it? Uh, That would be amazing to everybody. No one would believe anything like that would happen, but it's going on. Let me tell you something. The article said the Jewish people want to rebuild the temple. Uh, That is probably the greatest understatement you will ever see in print. Unless they say the United States government is lowering taxes. One of the uh, 
Well, that would be a lie. I'm sorry. Uh, not an understatement. Uh, so, uh, just let you know, things are still going on. Now, as the foundation of the temple had been laid, and if you remember the story, the old men wept, the young men rejoiced, the noise was heard away far off. The young men rejoiced because there was going to be a temple and there was going to be sacrifices again. The old men wept because they remember the glory of Solomon's temple. And they knew that no matter what they did, this new temple was not even comparable to it. But that wasn't everything that was going on. Because there were people who were living in Samaria. And and Ezra goes through and lists the history and lists the names of those men that sent letters to the king uh, of Persia and had said, you'd better stop these Jews from building this city. And it's amazing that um, the letter that went to the king of Persia talked about building the walls and the gates. That wasn't going to happen for another 150 years almost. And they were building the temple. You see, those people living around Jerusalem, the Samaritans, the ones the king of Assyria had moved in several hundred years before, knew that if the temple was rebuilt, the Jews were coming back and they would not be in charge of everything in that land anymore. The Jews would be. And so they did everything they could stop, even to getting a letter from the king uh, demanding upon the pains of death that the building be stopped. Now, when something like that happens... You kind of figure, well, it's just not the Lord's time to rebuild the temple. Uh, I want to challenge you. God's people had made the wrong decision. You see, it is always time to worship the Lord. It is always first priority. It is always right to seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean if the days were to come back when uh, they were hunting Christians and putting them in prison, uh, that you go to Central Park uh, in the Great Lawn and hold a Sunday service and set out lots of flyers so that the police can come and arrest you. That's not what we're talking about here. But what we are talking about is putting God first. And so we get... Here And he said, this is what you say. And they had every reason, humanly speaking, to say this. Verse 3, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your siled houses, and this house lay waste? Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now, you see... They had stopped building the house of the Lord because of the order of the king. But they didn't stop building their houses. They didn't stop making a profit and and, and investing and, and making preparations for the future. I mean, you read through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. 
There's a whole lot of goings on happening. I mean, the the rich people were taking possession of the lands and they were uh, oppressing the poor people. And when they couldn't pay the taxes, uh, you know, and they they believed in in equal share of the taxes. And so they just took the the population and divided it. And if you were poor, you paid just as much as the rich did to the kings of Persia and and then when you couldn't pay, they took your lands and said, well, we'll give you a loan to pay your taxes. Just uh, turn over the deed to your property. You'll get it back in the year of Jubilee <laughs> if we ever get back there again with no temple. There was no guarantees that all of the things that were in the law were ever going to be fulfilled. Ezra straightened that out. Nehemiah straightened those things out as much as they possibly could. This is what was going on. And God says, okay. You have outward circumstances that have stopped you from doing the things that I said. But you're progressing just as fast as you want on things for yourself. It's time to examine that attitude and that approach. And by the way, just one simple little application that we might throw in here. If you've ever listened to any of this uh, quote-unquote Christian financial talk. Uh, Dave Ramsey's one of the leaders of it. There's a dozen or more people out there and, and hundreds more that give seminars all talking about the basic same thing. And, and the funny thing is, I figured, well, uh, you know, probably ought to listen to this guy. He seems pretty smart. And I, I listened to a couple of shows and got his main bit of information. I said, you know, I've heard this somewhere before. And I remember hearing it as a student in Bible college from one of my professors. How to retire from the ministry a millionaire. Uh, he did, by the way. Uh, I, I have no intention. Uh, well, I have no hope either. Uh, <laughs> nor do I have a desire to do that. You see... If you listen to him, it all makes sense as long as you can get a big return on your investment. Now, if you study history, those who got big returns also took some really major hits. and then his basic philosophy is you sacrifice and you, you put together and you scrimp. And when you retire, you'll have enough money to give to the church like you always wanted to give because you'll have everything you wanted. You know, that's not the way God works. God doesn't want you to give when you can afford it. He wants you to honor him right now. That's the, that's the message of Haggai. He says... I know you've got the king's commandment, but how many of you remember what happened when they defied the king's commandment? And they just started building. All those Samaritans came in and said, what do you think you're doing? The king has said, and they said, well, listen, uh, we're going to keep building. You check with the king. You take care of this. And, And here's our defense. And I don't know why they didn't do this the first time. But they said, check the the rules and the writings of Cyrus, the king of Persia, because he commanded us to build a temple. 
And guess what? They've searched through the rolls, the scrolls of Cyrus and came back and said, and the king at that time looked and said, hey, we've got the laws of the Medes and Persians that altereth not nor ever changeth. Now, when any politician tells you that, you know it's a lie because everything changes. But they got back to rebuilding the temple. And they finished it. And here's what Haggai is saying. I want you to consider your ways. Now, that is something that we ought to just do from time to time. We, we ought to just consider. We ought to take a few moments and think about things. And then he goes on. He says, you have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes. Doesn't that sound like the Democrats are in charge? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, there's just never enough. We don't produce enough. And no matter how much we do, it's not enough. I mean, it just... Sounds like today's newspaper, doesn't it? And God says, I want you to consider this. I want you to consider your ways. Verse 8, go up into the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it and be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much and lo, it came in little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountain, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor. Of their of the hands. Now this was Zerubbabel. I mean Haggai's prophecy. He said, "I just want you to think about it. I want you to consider your ways. I want you to think about the honor of your God." He says, "You live in nice houses. You are doing the best you can for yourselves, and it's not very good." And God said, "Now I'm going to tell you why." Because I am against you. You see, Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And yes, they were discouraged that the second temple was going to be merely a shadow of what Solomon had built. Yeah, they were discouraged that there weren't very many people. The majority of the Jewish people who had been taken captive were still in the lands where they were taken captive. There was only a handful, only a small remnant that had returned. Everything was against them. And they were working harder than they ever had and getting behind her every day. It was not the way it was supposed to be. And God said, now I want you to think about this. He says, you go get some wood. 
He said, you build that house. He said, I will take delight in it. I don't know about you, but in our study of the minor prophets, this is some of the most encouraging prophecy that we've dealt with. I mean, some of it has just been, uh, you know, woe is you. And I mean, the book of Joel, there's that little gem in there that God's going to restore the years, but he talks all about his great army and how it's laid everything waste. And God says, I want you to consider your ways and build my house. And we go to verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shelthiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. Now, we could stop all night right there. They obeyed the words of the Lord their God. Now, how did they get those words? Through Haggai the prophet. You see, God honors His words. But He uses men to bring the message to men. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shelthiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Now, did you get that? When did he start prophesying? When did the word of the Lord come to Haggai? First day of the sixth month. When did they start building the 24th day of the sixth month, uh, that was a period of three weeks. How many, almost three weeks, or just a little over, 23 days, how many of you want to, uh, well, uh, how many of you would think that Haggai went to the people and said, Thus saith the Lord, read the verses, and went home for the next 22 days. See, I don't think so. I think Haggai was out there all 23 days. And he was just repeating the message of the Lord. Until somebody did something. And then he told them, said, The Lord is with you. The Lord is going to make this happen. Listen, we, we don't need a lot of things. What we need is to just obey the words of the Lord. Amen? And you know what's not complicated? It's not an amazing thing here. All he said was, I want you to build the house. Uh, could I challenge you that that building probably went fairly slow? And, and that they were those who were still discouraged and still were weeping because of the insignificance of the present house compared to Solomon's temple, I think they shed a tear with every hammer blow. Uh, they didn't get any more encouraged, but they did the work anyway. 
You know, sometimes the Lord just wants us to be obedient. Sometimes He has a way of doing things that's going to be different than ours. Now, let's look at chapter 2, this second prophecy. We now move to the seventh month in the one and twentieth day of the month. We have approximately, roughly, uh, a month go by here. Came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shelthiel, governor, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying... Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of as no, of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord. And work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came up out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once in a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Hey, you talk about an incredible promise. He says, about a month into it, guess what? I wonder if their hands were getting heavy again. If, if they were just saying, we're working and we're never going to finish it. And God sent his prophet along to say, you just keep working. He said, you don't understand it. He said, the glory of this second house is going to be greater than the first. Does anybody know why? Because Jesus was going to walk upon the stones of that temple. You see, all of the sacrifices that were offered in Solomon's temple were fulfilled in the one sacrifice that was offered on Calvary's hill. Jesus stood in that temple. Uh, It's classically known as Herod's temple because about 20 or, or 40 years, or I mean, just a little less than 20 years before Jesus was born, Herod had ascended to the throne over that area, and he immediately entered into a rebuilding program, and they built Herod's temple, which in the Roman world was supposed to be one of the wonders of the Roman world. I mean, they spent 30 Uh, Over 40 years, actually, 37 years when Jesus was crucified, and and they didn't finish building the temple until, uh, I think it was about 66 A.D., another 30 years after, only four years did the temple stand in its completed condition because in 70 A.D., The Roman armies came in and raised it to the ground, and that's the condition that it is in. All that's left 
is what is called the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. That one foundation of the temple, everything else has been destroyed. God said, build me a temple. He said, I will take it. You know what? God doesn't want something that you don't have. I I read this and I uh, remember so many times hearing men like Brother Clayton tell stories of God doing incredibly great things. I love hearing the story in Korea where he was there and they were uh, gave the altar call and everybody in the church came forward to get saved. And he said, I don't think we got this right. He said, he told the interpreter, he says, you explain it to him again. And he did, and everybody got up again. And he said, okay, we're going to do this right. They had the missionary and the, and the national preachers there and Brother Clayton and interpreters. And they got everybody in a line. He says, you all get in a line and you just wait. And that line went out to church and into the street. And people walked by and said, what do you stand here in line? And they said, because they're going to tell us how to go to heaven. You got to be kidding me. And people kept getting it. He said, when the sun came up the next morning, they were still leading people to the Lord. I mean, I, I hear stories like that. And you know what? It's easy to get discouraged with what's going on today. Uh, read Haggai. God says, I want your service in your lifetime to me the way that I asked for it. Remember hearing about the great Akron Baptist, once great Akron Baptist Temple, Akron, Ohio. This was back in the 40s and the 50s. Factory town, Goodyear Rubber is there, BF Goodrich, Firestone, all the tire companies, they used to call it the Rubber City. And uh, the men from that city would get off work at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And they would go by the church office and they'd say, give me some calls to make after dinner tonight. And so they would go out and visit people that they knew at the factory and they worked in the evening. Well, about 11 o'clock at night, second shift got off. You know what? Church office was open. You know why? Because hundreds of men would show up after, after working their shift and they would get calls and go out and see people that they worked with who were still up. Well, it wasn't, didn't end there because about 7 o'clock in the morning, the third shift got off. And it wasn't the same person, of course, but church office was still open. And they would get visits. He said visitation happened 24 hours a day. Maybe that's why 50 people get saved on a Sunday. When you got 10,000 people going visiting during the week, 50 ought to get saved on Sunday. Amen. And I mean, some amazing things have gone on in the past. Read Haggai. Don't try to capture the past. If I have one nit that I want to pick with people who just talk about revival, 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 it's that. 
we can get so caught up trying to recreate what happened 100 years ago or 200 years ago or 300 years ago that we're not doing what God wants us to do today. If God wants to do fantastic things, and by the way, read the book of Revelation. There are some fantastic things that happen in the book of Revelation. And I'm not talking about all bad. I mean, Israel as a nation, the Jewish people get saved in one day, it says. I mean, there are some, it says there's going to be a multitude of people that are going to come through that tribulation period having washed the garments white in the blood of the Lamb. I'll tell you what. God's going to do some things. God is still doing some things. And He wants to use us today. And He told Haggai, Don't you get upset about what you think was in the past and what you think ought to be in the future. You get busy serving Me today. And all God's people said... I mean, that's, that's the prophecy of Haggai. And let's look on here to verse 10, the third prophecy. And we're going to hurry, but I think we'll be done on time. It says, In the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of, of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No. Then said Haggai, If one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so is every work of their hands. And that which they offer, there is unclean. And now I pray you, consider from this day and upward. From before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. Since those days were, when one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the... Press fat, for to draw out fifty vessels out of the press, there were but twenty. I smote you with blasting and with mildew and with hail in all the labors of your hands, yet ye turn not to me, saith the Lord. Consider now from this day in upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from that day which the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea. And yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day will I bless you. Number one, God is still holy. Number two, God does not lower his standards to meet us. Uh, if you want to know what's happening in quote-unquote Christianity today, that's what's happening. Same thing's happened in public school. Can't pass the test? Dumb down the test. And far be it that we should evaluate what is going on in the public school system. Because it's scary. Does not bode well. 
Well, that's what was going on in this day. Hey, if you're unclean, there's only one thing that can make you clean. According to the law, it was the sprinkling of the water of separation, the ashes of the red heifer. They had to go through the ceremonial cleansing. You know what you do today? It's called the washing of the water of the word. Amen. Read Ephesians 5, that he may present it a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That's what God wants to do. But he's reminding Israel, it's not because of you. You can't do it. It's because of me. I will make you holy. I will bless you because you are being obedient to me. Amen? How many of you found that true in your life? When you obey the Lord, it opens a door for his blessings. Amen? That's, that's what he said. And God is not going to lower his standard. He's not going to make it easy for you. Because you're not the one that's supposed to be doing it. He is. Amen? He is the one that makes us holy. And then we get to this last prophecy here. In verse 20, it says, And again, the word of the Lord came unto Haggai in the fourth and twentieth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I shall shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. And I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, will I take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shathiel, saith the Lord, and will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. So much could be said. But what comes to my mind, and it's not in your notes, read, read the letters to the churches. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm going to give them hidden manna to eat. He said, I'm going to give them a stone, a white stone with a name written on it that only I know. The signet is the initial. It was often made into a ring that people would wear. And it represented their name. You know what? God has chosen you and I to be his representatives. He has chosen, he wants to use us as a testimony. Ephesians chapter 2, that in the ages to come, he may show the goodness of his glory. God wants to show his goodness through the life that you live. That's what he told Zerubbabel. You know what? In the pages of world history, Zerubbabel would not even get an honorable mention. Incredibly insignificant. Uh, Except for one thing. God. You know what? God said, I'm going to use that man because he is my man. He is alive today and I am working today and we still tell the story. History still tells the story, though they may forget the name of the man who is responsible for it, but that temple was rebuilt. 
And every Jewish person says it was rebuilt once. It can be rebuilt again. And it will be. Because the prophecies in this book say so. Haggai. The nearly all positive prophet. Oh, there's a few negative things in there. But last time I looked in the mirror, you know what I found? A few negative things. How about you? The last time I took time to consider my relationship with God, you know what I found? A few negative things. But you know what I also found? A whole lot of God. A whole lot of promises. A whole lot of things that God wants to do today if we will only be where we're supposed to be. Doing the little insignificant things that we're supposed to do. You know what? In Zerubbabel's eyes, he was a failure. God says, you're a signet. I'm going to tell, use you to tell the whole world about myself. That doesn't sound like a failure to me. How about to you? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would encourage us through the prophecy of Haggai. And Lord, that we would not wait for the day of great things. Nor would we waste our lives trying to recapture great things of the past. The Lord would just be obedient. We do the little things of today, even though they appear to be a failure. Even though they're no way in comparison to things that were done. Nor things that we would hope to accomplish. But Lord, we'd get ourselves out of the way. And understand that our holiness comes from you. That any good thing, any blessing comes from you. And you delight in blessing and doing good things. Because you're a good God. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, just keep our heads bowed. If you need to slip out and spend a few moments.